Chapter 4 Imperfection The three of them stood staring from afar at the China woman. Lut said something about them. He said that they hate imperfection. Poised and composed, Wraith said, We should study them for a while. Fifty slender tall China mannequin women danced in groups of ten on revolving plates. They pirouetted and glistened in the disco lights. Their arms extended and formed matching shapes. Katie and the others watched in amazement until one dancer became out of step from the rest. Oh, I think she's had a few nectar shots, said Jane. A dancer in front and one from behind faced the other, which had mistimed the steps. Both at once, they struck its head from its shoulders. Even though they were made from China, Katie was horrified. They cut her head off, said Alec. That's what he meant by imperfection, said Wraith. They will eradicate the imperfect. We have no choice but to cross directly through them, and if we do not mimic them perfectly, we shall be attacked. Does that mean we have to do ballet? asked Katie. Yes, if we are to go undetected. I have never been good at fitting in. Even when I dance, I dance to my own rhythm. I'm terrible at learning new routines. If we make a mistake, there are too many for us to fight, so we have to get this right. Can you see at the far end? Behind them appears to be an exit. If we hop from plate to plate, we can reach, hopefully, an exit. Together they bravely walked onto the set. David Bowie's voice added dramatic effect. Wraith checked Katie. She looked very worried. He gave a confident, cheeky smile. He was enjoying the pressure. Wraith loved to be tested. He wasn't afraid of the threat of conflict. His look reassured Katie. He stepped into his domain like a lion returning to its hunting ground. Alec was a fish out of water, but optimistically buoyant, because he loved women, even those made from China. Jane flew overhead feeling quite helpless, as she didn't know how she could help. Wraith said, We will have to split up. There is only enough room for one person between each dancer. We shall stand twelve, six, nine and three, so that we can see each other. Each time one of us encounters another rotating floor, we can hop onto it. To avoid detection, our transitions must be timed and fluid. Alec nodded. I know they are made of China, and they are killing machines, but they are so hot. Wraith crossly replied. Alec, if you don't think with anything else other than your head, you will lose it. Cotcher Wraith. I shall be a stoic, solemn, deep-sea fisherman. Katie. You go first, Wraith said, pointing to the first rotating plate. Katie crept onto it and immediately mimicked the pose of the two dancers next to her. Luckily, the dancers were only performing a six-movement routine. Alec and Wraith took their places. Katie began struggling not to laugh, as Alec and Wraith were standing on one leg, with the other in a high bent knee, kicking chamber with their arms raised above their heads and hands clasped together. They looked like funny ballet dancers, and not tough, gruff men. Katie, you've got to copy, said Alec. The dancer to her left eerily turned its head and examined her, but by the time it did, Katie was ready in a matching pose. Wraith pranced and strutted from each pose like a magnificent cat. They had changed and transitioned across three rotating plates when Katie stumbled and fell. She landed face first in the centre of the fourth group. Her hands broke her fall. Her white wedding dress spread out like an unpacked parachute. Wraith immediately scanned all the ten dancers and checked their reaction. All ten had noticed Katie's imperfection, and with a deathly purpose, made their way towards her. 
all raised their hands in matching striking chopping positions. Katie, on her hands and knees, looked for Wraith, but her vision was blocked by the enroaching circle of dancers. They mercilessly encircled her. All she could see was tutu-dressed white shiny mannequins with carved painted pretty faces, all intent on eradicating her. Bang, 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 bang! Four dancers shattered and collapsed into a pile of broken china. From the dust appeared Wraith, standing on one leg, with the other pulled back into a high-kicking chamber position. Using only one leg, he had kicked to pieces four attacking mannequins. He pulled Katie to her feet safely behind him. The six remaining dancing mannequins grouped together in a pack and advanced towards the imperfect pair. Wraith would have no difficulty dispatching six, but the other forty would be a challenge, because now all the dancers were aware and marching towards them. Wraith let his hands and legs fly. China and dust clouds erupted. He managed to defeat many, but they were no pushovers. Being dancers with long legs, they had learned to kick back. From the chaotic blur of destruction, Wraith was struck by a mannequin with a front kick to his stomach. Protectively, he pushed Katie to the floor, away from the chopping hands, and knelt, winded and gasping for air. He struggled to get his breath. Against all his will, he could not stand to face his opponents. Wraith! screamed Katie. To shield her, he raised his arm and took several chops. Fortunately, his arm was conditioned to take such hits. He needed a moment before his body would allow him to stand. Suddenly, like the calm in an eye of a storm, the striking stopped. Wraith lifted his head and saw that all the dancers had found a new distraction. They had formed a huge crowded circle and were all dancing in an uncoordinated rhythm of seduction. What on Vestavia? said Wraith. Katie stood to her feet and curiously watched the group of misbehaving China dancers. She said, It's Alec. He's working the fishing net. Alec stood in the centre of the rotating plates, looking up at the ceiling, to the side, and giving coy glimpses to each of his adoring crowd. He restricted his attention and acted like he didn't care. He moved and danced to the beat like a member of the Backstreet Boys, all the China dancers had broken from their strict perfect routine and were now all trying to win his attention by using all the seduction moves in the book. Twerking, booty shaking and even Zumba were all the weapons of choice to steal a look from Alec. Wraith and Katie crept around the mob of crazed China dancers to where they assumed was an exit. Alec continued working the fishnet perfectly. Alec, see if you can create an exit to escape, Wraith said with concern. Alec spotted a China mannequin dancer, which he liked especially. His eyes surveyed its China body. It wore a pink tutu and was different from all the rest, which was unusual because they were cloned. It had its own dancing style and seemed creatively free. Alec produced his long fishing rod and cast it back. He hooked his hook on the dancer's outfit. Yeah, baby, he shouted. The hook caught on its shoulder strap and he began to reel his prized catch in. No, Alec, shouted Katie. It was too late. He had started to wind the mechanical arm of his fishing reel and said, She's gorgeous. What a catch. Suddenly the dancer snapped from its infatuated state and with a chop cut the fishing wire in half. That line was strong enough to land on ten-ton fish and she's just snapped it in one, gasped Alec. He looked around at the horde of dancers that he'd collected using the fishnet. Now they were showing Alec the wrong type of attention. The fish net had become a death trap. Immediately, dust and china sprayed everywhere. 
Luckily for Alec, Wraith took advantage of their distraction, and using the element of surprise, he made light work of the last remaining dancers. Now only one dancer remained, and Alec was running around in circles dodging her swipes and cuts, which were all targeted to his head. Baby, baby, come on, let's not argue, we can work it out. There is a fine fishing line between love and hate, and I reckon this is love, pleaded Alec whilst ducking another chop. Alec, she's not a woman, shouted Wraith as he watched impatiently with folded arms. She is a China-crazed mannequin who would really like you to lose your head. Wraith, growing impatient of such a farcical drama, said, Alec, actions speak louder than words. The feeling you have for her is not mutual. Alec rolled, dived and finally hid behind Wraith for protection. Try to make it run away, but please don't hurt her face. It's not alive, exclaimed Wraith. Strutting forward, Wraith readied himself in a kung-fu stance. The last dancer noticed Wraith's stance and copied. They began duelling. Wraith threw combinations of kicks and punches, but this time not one found its target. The dancer slipped, dodged, rolled and avoided all that came its way. Taking a calculating pause, Wraith circled the dancer and it too circled Wraith. Combat commenced once more. This time the dancer fought back. Wraith used the same movements to avoid its menacing strikes. A great deal of time had passed, but little progress had been made from either side. Wraith took a few steps back to give himself time to assess the combative stalemate. Lutz's voice bellowed from the darkness. It looks like you have met your match, Wraith. She is the troop leader. She has been studying and watching you, Wraith. She knows what you know. A spotlight lit in the distance past the boats and the river. In the light's centre was Lutz, high up on the ledge safely away from the chaos. He had been watching them all this time. Wraith glared again at his opponent and recommenced battle. He tried feints and creative moves like a rolling axe kick to add variety and spice, but none of these additions fooled his fast-learning opponent. Wraith, let's just go! We don't need to be here. She can't hurt you and you can't hurt her. We may as well leave, reasoned Katie. I never lose. I must have this victory. He continued his futile battle. Wraith, what's the purpose of this? I think she is just defending herself. Leave it. Wraith squinted and tightened his grip to make a stronger fist. He stopped and stared at his unmarked and unharmed mannequin rival. Katie's words made him stop because martial arts is used for self-defence and not attack. Wraith hated bullies, and he didn't want to act like one. He was enraged and angered from his stalemate, but he had enjoyed the battle. He walked away backwards, keeping his eyes on the pink tutu-dressed ballerina, who had been a worthy nemesis. Far in the distance, many mannequins had emerged from the boat's entrance. They wore eighties pop-leather caps, jeans, and split and ripped clothing. They waded in their masses through the water and assembled themselves below Lutz, who was still high on the ledge. He called out, I am sure, Wraith, that we shall meet again. Katie, you should join me. I can make you very happy here, Lutz said sinisterly. Katie raised one eyebrow and said, You couldn't handle me. She turned to Wraith and the others. We're on a clock. Let's get to Festavia. Alec took one last look at the ballerina and said, I'm going to call you Cindy. The ballerina remained unresponsive. 
they all quickly ran down the tunnel and away from the mad rides that lay behind. The exit can't be far, said Wraith. When we reach the end of the tunnel, there should be stairs to the right. He maintained a steady voice. He was very fit. The light at the end of the tunnel shimmered and grew brighter. Katie reached the exit first and had to stop suddenly as straight below was a 1,000 metre drop. The palace was built high up on a mountain and the exit stairs from the tunnel were carved out from the mountainside. Katie peered down thousands of steps leading from the exit all the way to the ground below. They were so high that clouds covered sections of the steps. Wraith with Jane fluttering next to his shoulder emerged from the tunnel. Alec followed and almost fell because he was running so fast. Fortunately for him, he was saved by Wraith's strong arm. Ah, oh, thank you, mate, said Alex. Wraith nodded in acceptance. Jane flew and buzzed around them and said, That was so exciting! What a story! I've never experienced anything like that! Katie replied, It was fun, but that Lutz is such a creep. We must tell the palace about him. It is concerning, Wraith agreed. When I return, his punishment will be my first royal duty. Wraith, where are we now? Alex asked casually. We are on the secret stairs outside the palace. Few people, including the bureaucrats, know of its existence. I've only seen it from high up on the palace tower, but I have never needed to use them until now. I'm afraid we have many steps to walk down. It's okay. I'm enjoying the view. Katie chirped happily. They were distracted from their descent by the sound of fast feet which pounded the stone steps and echoed around the mountainside. It's Cindy! She's running away too! Alec shouted with delight. Cindy paused when she encountered Wraith, who was at the back of a single-file line. Cindy, as known to Alec, made a palm and fist with its hands and bowed to Wraith. Wraith was taken aback, as this was martial arts for respect. Habitually, Wraith bowed back, allowing Cindy to pass. Alec was at the head of the line, and when she passed him, she turned and blew him a kiss, which produced a bubble that floated towards Alec's mouth. Alec kissed the bubble and it popped, and he shouted, Yeah, that's loving right there! Cindy gave a wink, which surprised them all, because her facial features had appeared to be fixed. Watching Cindy run away fast down the steps, Katie said, She must think Lutz is a creep too! She's not a she. She's an it. We have to remember, it's a killing machine. Wraith snapped to the group. Alex said passionately, Cindy is alive. With hindsight, she could have killed me at any time. It was obvious she was missing her killer chops on purpose. She just wanted my attention. You have an affection for a killing China mannequin, Wraith said in a condescending tone. Taking to Alex's defence, Katie said, Wraith... It's because you couldn't beat her, isn't it? You're madly competitive. Wraith chose not to answer. Bye, Cindy, bye. Alex, my name. I'll take you fishing when I next see you. Let's hope there is a storm. You'll love that. You are becoming quite the ladies' man, aren't you, Alec? Katie said, raising an eyebrow. Do you think so? Yes, I do. You've wooed the princess and now Cindy. But remember, don't get carried away. Nobody likes a player. What's a player? A player is a man who lies and deceives to have more than one girlfriend, also known as a womaniser. Okay, so if I'm honest, and I have just one girlfriend, am I not a player? Correct. 
What about if I have one girlfriend and some girls who are just friends? Yeah, that should be fine, but some girls don't like that and get jealous. If I'm honest about it, can I have more than one girlfriend and not be a player? Katie sighed and said, Halleck, you have a lot to learn about women. They had been walking down the steps for some time when Katie stopped and opened her eyes wide. The mountain wind blew through her hair and her smile widened in response to what she saw. Wow, look at the view. It's amazing. She could see mountains, forests, rivers and lakes covering the vast terrain. It's so beautiful. What is this place? Let me explain, Katie, said Jane. Over there is where Festavia begins. Katie viewed the vast scenery, which appeared landscaped. Trees were cut and trimmed, vast mown lawns blanketed much of the land with clusters of tents dotted on them. She then looked to her right and noticed that far beyond were shadowed forms of cascading buildings, clouded by smoke. She said with less enthusiasm, What's that? That is the land of the bureaucrats, where work exists, Jane answered glumly. Why is it not green and beautiful, like everywhere else? Because it's where everything is made. There are no parties and raves there. Just work and production. Wraith, prompted by the change in topic, interrupted. Yes, Katie. The bureaucrats want to spread their work and production to everywhere that's free of it. They have little or no time for raving and things of beauty. Why do they want to do that? They always want more. They are never happy with what they have. Have you met any bureaucrats? Only the ones that insist we work. Are there any nice bureaucrats? I doubt it. Look at what they are doing to the land. But you have only met some. You can't say for sure they are all bad. Ray thought for a moment. It was always unquestioned that the bureaucrats were bad. All the bureaucrats I have met have been bad, so I assume they are all the same. Assumptions and judgments are not fair. I shall keep an open mind for now. After walking down a few hundred steps, the floor beneath Katie's feet gave way. Without warning, the steps detached from the mountainside. Instantly, her heart raced and her veins filled with adrenaline. Within the micro-moment of terror, she felt a pair of hands push her back, and she fell safely onto the firm steps in front of her. She looked to thank who or what had pushed her, but saw nothing. Wraith was safely high up, many steps back, and was not close enough to have saved her. "'Katie, are you okay? shouted Wraith. Panicked, Jane flew and fluttered around her head and said, "'Gosh, that was close. My heart missed a beat. Katie, I'm so glad you're okay.' Wraith looked pained. Katie knew that Wraith would be frustrated at himself. "'Wraith, it's okay. I'm safe,' she said reassuringly. "'These steps must be very old and not often used,' said Wraith. "'To ease the load, we must keep close to the mountainside.' Please, tread carefully. There's not far to go, Wraith said, with signs of self-loathing. After what seemed to be a lifetime of descent, they reached the safe ground. Katie peered up at the enormous and imposing mountain. The palace and its turreted walls looked like a decoration on a mountain Christmas tree. The ground around them was fresh-cut grass, and ahead was a thick, dense forest, which must keep the foot of the stairs hidden. The newly formed group of friends gathered themselves in a clearing of freshly cut grass. Wraith announced dramatically, Our quest starts here. 
We must make our way through this forest, which surrounds the palace, and then we must venture through Festavia and find the magic ball of potential. Wraith, I know we are to find this magic ball, but how do we know where in Festavia it is? asked Katie. Wraith was silent for a moment. His facial expressions showed that there was a problem. Festavia is an ever-changing land. I know that the magic ball of potential is owned and created by a festival organiser. He organises and makes the festival of Festavia. The festival has a fringe, middle and finale. The last event is celebrated by an event called the finale. We must attend the event and there we can meet the organiser. What's the plan for when we meet this organiser? I don't know. I've never met him before. I assume we will need to bargain and trade with him for the magical ball. Katie smiled and said, Wraith, assumptions are the mother of all, well, mistakes. Ignoring Katie, he continued, First we must find out when and where this event will be, and then we must find a way to attend, as we will need tickets to enter. It seems a loose plan, Wraith. I was under the impression you knew exactly what to do. I'll share what I do know. Festavia is an ever-changing land. Nothing is certain, but some things can be predicted. The order of the event has always stayed the same, but what happens within it has not. The people of the land like to be surprised and excited. The organiser knows how to keep many people happy by providing an escape. The festival offers certainty and uncertainty, variety and choice. My plan is to learn about this land, find something to trade, and then reach the finale and win the magical ball of potential. Well, it seems this adventure has the makings to be a great laugh, said Katie. So I guess the two things we need to do are get finale tickets and find out what the organiser wants to trade for the ball, said Katie. In summary, yes. Wraith, I'd better check my time, said Katie. Wraith had found a way to fold the timer and he magically pulled it from his tunic. Katie and Wraith both looked surprised. A significant amount of sand had passed. Time has flown by, said Wraith despondently. It does when you're having fun, Katie said in jest, although she couldn't believe how quickly time was escaping her. It felt like she had only been in her new world for a few minutes. We must find a more efficient way of measuring your time and plan a schedule. Alec interrupted. We can use a hook to scratch symbols onto the glass. Wraith replied. Good idea, sir. Pass me one, please. Alec pulled open his mac and displayed an array of fishing hooks. He looked like a dodgy bootlegger in a car park. Wraith was impressed and said, That's quite an arsenal of hooks you have there. Yes, you never know what fish will bite, Alec said. I'm always prepared. I can't risk going hungry. Alec said, with a grin on his face. Wraith grasped a thin, long hook with a sharp point at the end. That's for a lizardfish, Alec said proudly. Wraith gave a polite nod and said, I think we should mark the timer into three remaining sections. A quarter has already passed. Our time? You mean my time? Katie said sharply. Yes, Katie. It is your time, but the palace has a vested interest in it too. The last third I shall mark will be the time needed to return you home. Katie looked pleased that Wraith had already thought of this. Even though she trusted Wraith, she was concerned that he had two agendas. She wanted to know that her time was of equal priority. 
Wraith marked the first section as a squiggle, representing a trail and exploration. The second was a shape of a tent, which represented the festival, and the third was a planet. That was the time allocated to return Katie to Earth. Wraith marked the final section, and Alec interrupted. Shall I send my bird now? Bird? Katie quizzed. Oh, yes. I want to write a message to the princess. Shall I do it now? Hmm, Katie thought for a while, and said, You don't want to look too keen, but you need to show her you care. A simple message for now should be okay. Can you help me write it? Yes, honey, no problem. They both left Wraith alone to finish etching the final inscription and sat down on the grass. Alec wrote on a piece of paper, Hi, princess, it's that lucky man who met you tonight. How are you? XXX. How is that? he asked. Hmm, I think you should be cooler. Don't say lucky man and no kisses. You need to build kisses with time. Oh, I didn't know there were rules to this. Everyone is different, but there are general do's and don'ts. You don't want to be too keen or needy. Alec sat for a while and wrote once more. Hey, princess, it's Alec. Still shaking a leg at the palace. When can we next meet? How about that? I don't know about the shaking a leg part and asking when we can meet. You're not being assertive and organised enough. Say, are you free to meet Monday next week or something like that? I personally would want more conversation first before we set a date and I don't even like dates. This is really hard. I can't even make a joke. I must not ask her for a day to meet, but I must say when and she might not even like dating. How on Festavia am I meant to see her again? Unfortunately, Alec, women can be complicated and act as they feel. There is no set way of writing a message or set way to win a date. It's just down to the connection you have with them and how they feel in the moment. Alec pondered once more and wrote, Hi, princess. How are you? Alec the fisherman. Yeah, that's good. It's simple. Now, see how it goes from there. Alec took the correct message and rolled it into a tiny paper tube. He removed the bluebird, which was nestled comfortably in his Max inside pocket. You keep many things in there, don't you? Your jacket reminds me of Mary Poppins's bag. I'm a man of practicality. When you're at sea and land is not in sight, you must have everything you need. Who's Mary Poppins, anyway? She's a woman who manages many practicalities, Katie said with a wink. The little bird changed from blue to grey and flew from Alec's hand and off into the distance. Go, my little beauty, like a seagull seeks a mackerel fish trawler. Find my princess. Katie laughed. Alec was quite a character and obviously was not used to wooing a princess. Wraith, who was unamused and uninterested of Alec's relationship concerns, stood up with the timer in his hands. Right. We need to make haste. This forest can be deceiving and one can easily get lost within it. We have planned our time and now we must leave nothing to chance. Wraith, I like the fact that you're leading us, but you are making me anxious talking about time all the time. Can we enjoy it too? Wraith frowned at Katie. He couldn't understand why she was concerned about fun when her life was clearly at risk. Ignoring her last comments, he said... We need to head through the clearing ahead and make our way north through the forest.